Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we interview marathon swimmers to get perspective on how to endure, adapt, and overcome the challenges we face swimming and in life. Please enjoy this episode. Okay, so let's start with um, John. He's on my left in my gallery view. We're going to go around that way. <laughs> Tell us just a brief intro, John. Sure. I think I know most of you. I'm from Maine, open water swimmer mostly. Um, had a failed English Channel fall because of weather and now even trying to find a hard, finding it hard to get a date for, for 2021. So I live in Ashland, Oregon, and Shannon and I have been going to our little local lake um, for uh, this past winter. And then last winter we started it too. And um, I swam with Rogue Valley Masters and I've swum and played water polo really kind of my whole life. And um, it dawned on me yesterday that there is a creek in my neighborhood. I can actually walk to it. So I stood in the creek for five minutes yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to keep up with my cold water acclimation. <laughs> so that's me. So I'm Tracy. I think I know everybody here. I am uh, based in Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, open water swimmer like the rest of you guys. And uh, I had uh, I had an early season uh, uh, or big events planned early season this year. I was doing SCAR and I'm still signed up for a couple stages of eight bridges and it looks to me like it's all getting canceled and uh and i didn't i i I had been so uh heavy money and time commitment early in the season i didn't really i I thought oh i'll keep the rest of the season open and fill something in so i don't know now i'm like oh it's all getting canceled (laughs) yeah yeah um I'm going to go next and then I'll have Danielle go because then we'll take it away with some questions. Um, I think you, you all know me. <laughs> but I'm just with you. I noticed you guys were mentioning your things that aren't happening for you. And we um, had, I guess I'm, I'm supposed to do Loch Ness in August, but I don't even think August is going to happen. I think any travel at that time would still be really cautionary. So I'm probably canceling that or at least pushing it out a year. But I also had um, uh, what I'm most currently sad about, I guess, is I was going to go to Dominica in, um, in May to check it out for a potential swim camp place, um, the island of Dominica. So unfortunately, we won't be able to go to Dominica, um, but oh well. <laughs> Keep that on the list, Shannon. My <laughs> husband's always wanted to go there. He'll, when I say, oh, I, I want to go to a swim like, camp, I want to go to Dominica. Like, oh yeah, let's go. That was a <laughs> When I first started investigating it, my husband had sailed there. He used to sail ages ago, lifetimes ago. And um, one of the places they'd stop was Dominica. And he was like, oh, it's good. <laughs> you should go there. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and the Lake Shasta. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With the camp, yeah. of course. I was supposed to have my camp in three weeks. That's canceled. Um, yeah, that would have been It was going to be really fun. We rented a houseboat and I had 
seven people to come aboard and Jocelyn was my crew and another friend and we were gonna take people marathon swimming in Lake Shasta which is a monstrous lake in Northern California that's just comes up to temp a lot earlier season than um, than you would expect um, uh, so it was going to be probably 60s end of April um, which would be perfect for one of the girls people coming Tracy was going to SCAR and she just wanted to do some last minute cold conversation um, so anyway hopefully we can do some other kinds of community building and find out a lot more about each other and that's my segue to Daniela tell us a little bit about yourself <laughs> So I think most of you know me, but I am more recent into the open water world, but I was a pool swimmer and I didn't swim in college and then I moved to Boston and I didn't know what the hell to do with myself because I was training for triathlons um, when I graduated from college because I I gained so much weight um, and my mom was like, you've got to go to the Y, like you got to work out with me. Um, so I started training with this triathlon group and they were like, we need someone to like push us in swimming. But then I, there was no chance in hell I was keeping up with them biking and running. So I realized like, nah, I hate that. Um, so I did a couple triathlons and sucked really bad. Like, I don't understand, like swimming is like 2% of a triathlon, but it's, everyone claims it's the hardest thing. So like, why not make it harder? Like I'd rather swim a marathon than run a marathon, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, so then I came to Boston. And somehow I got roped into coaching a master's, so like an unofficial master's team and at like a three lane, 22 and a half yard pool <laughs> in a basement that perpetually was at the coldest, 86 degrees. <laughs> and we did a, like hard work. Yeah. Yeah. One lane was narrower than the others. And so one lane's narrow, the other lane's in the middle and the third lane has a ladder in it. And it's not just like a regular ladder. It's like a walk-in like ramp ladder that they like won't take out even though it's completely removable for some practice they're like oh it's like a risk if anybody needs to get in and we're like we're a master swim clinic like we're a master swim class I think we can we can handle using a regular ladder and they were like absolutely not so we actually had two and a half lanes and then we would put like the person who didn't know how to swim at all because we had like 20 people come to practice but at least five of them couldn't swim the length of a pool but because it was in a community center it was like free and open to all and like I was a volunteer coach and I had to pay for my membership and pay to coach. That was fun. <laughs> Thank you, City of Boston. Um, yeah, yeah. So we couldn't like refuse anyone. So we had a guy who'd literally never swam before and he came and like he looked legit. He had a speedo, he had goggles, he was like trying to figure out how to put on a swim cap, but I didn't notice that. I just saw like someone be like, Oh, let me just put this on your head. And I was like, Oh, that's normal. I do that sometimes when I've got like a bad hair day. <laughs> so he like gets in the water and then like promptly sinks on his second stroke and I'm like not again so I put him in like the 20 yard lane because of this ramp like 19 yard lane yeah and like there was always somebody in that stupid ramp lane they can't do a flip turn on one side and the other side's too deep for them to feel comfortable in because it goes all the way up to their nose because it's you know six feet or five eleven deep or whatever anyway so the weird thing was like I was coaching from the water because I got roped into coaching while I was swimming. So like the coach left, she got pregnant and left. And I was like, I have to swim. So I would literally try to coach people between sets on like how to not sink 
that was fun. So I got really good at that, like 30 second coaching sessions, explain the set, explain some technique thing to focus on and be like for the next like 500 yards, we're focusing on like a catch, a high elbow catch, or we're focusing on like every single stroke we're pushing out with our hands. Like, yeah. Um, so then this girl comes up to me and she's like, hey, I signed up for this weird event called, um, it's like a 10K up in Vermont. And I was like, no, no, dude, no. So I told her, like, oh, hell no. I'm not swimming in some lake up in Vermont for 10K. That's too far. I, I don't swim that much. Um, and she was like, okay, it's like literally three hours of swimming. Like, we do it. We've done that at some practice before. And I was like, all right, you're right. I should just do it. So I started training, um, and this is at the same time that this random dude came uh, into my life named Jeffrey Ferris, who lives here. He's like a triathlete, and he owns a bike shop. And he invited me into this open water uh, extravaganza one morning. Um, so we had like a couple weeks to plan it. I got a wetsuit because the whole thing was um, we're going to swim from little from Hull to Little Brewster Island because at the uh, at the September, like the fall equinox, the there's a king tide, and because of that, the low tide is at its lowest, and it creates this giant sandbar between Little Brewster and Greater Brewster Islands, and I was like, oh, this sounds cool, and then it comes out, we have to leave at 3.45 in the morning from Hull, we have six kayaks and canoes for six swimmers, we don't have any type of gear, I was like, cool, I have a wetsuit, I can do this, it's a mile and a half, what's the worst that can happen? Um, well, A, you can lose your canoeer slash kayaker. Um, B, you can throw up violently for about an hour and a half. Um, C, you can get detained by the Coast Guard because it's the naval base slash military base on Little Brewster Island and you can't just like walk onto that shit. Um, C, they can call the ambulance and require you to not be allowed to swim back and in fact detain you on a Coast Guard boat until you get to Hull, the mainland, where they have an ambulance waiting for you because they're convinced that you're going to die. Which, granted, I didn't look good, but I wasn't dying. Like, it, I looked way better than some of the way I've come out of the water on other suns. Um, yeah, so I was like, fuck this. Like, this is my first open water swimming experience, and it's been a shit show. Great story now. Like, I walked onto a naval base and got detained in a wetsuit. And the best part of it, I'll never swim in a wetsuit again, even though I own one. Um, the wetsuit was so poorly fitting to me, even though it's literally the same one that I bought because they don't make stuff my size, especially like not for super tall, beefy women like me. Um, but the neck piece of my, even though like I put a glide on and Vaseline and everything, the neck piece chafed me so bad in like literally the hour that I was swimming and throwing up, um, that I had for weeks, I had people asking me if I needed help, like out of a domestic violence situation. <laughs> I had people asking me like if I needed like self uh, preservation help because they thought I had tried to hang myself with a rope. Like I had all the way around and then I was pulling scabs that were like pulling like necklaces around my neck. Like that's how bad, like it was like open blisters chafing. <laughs> from literally like a mile and a half of rough water that's it i'm like never wearing a wetsuit again i don't care wh wh why or who or why like no um so after that i was like i'm not doing a six mile swim and then my my best friend at the time and my super twin somebody was like let's just do it like a zero swim practice we get a weekend away and i was like fine 
So we started training and we didn't know how to train for it. We were just like, we're just gonna go and swim. So the first time we did a five mile training swim in Walden, the water was really, really warm because you're training in like end of June, early July. Um, we didn't have, we didn't understand like proper nutrition at that point for open water swimming. Like you always like stop at the end of a pool and like drink water or Gatorade, but we didn't bring that. And by the time we got out after five miles, I dropped the F-bomb on a two-year-old. So <laughs> had a little bit of anger, electrolyte imbalance situation. Now I know how to recognize it in others. Great learning experience. Um, a friend who drove us to Walden was like, oh my God, are you guys okay? And we're like, we don't know because we just, we have anger. Like we have, it's not even we are angry. Like we have anger that we need to like expel. And he's like, do you want a bagel? And we are like, yeah. So he gave us his everything bagel and then we promptly licked all the toppings off it and handed it back <laughs> a non-everything bagel, just like a single, a solo thing bagel. And we realized like, holy shit, salt is like a major thing in our lives. <laughs> Um, so we learned a lot that day, and I have been an open water swimmer since. <laughs> wow, that's quite the introduction. <laughs> Sorry, I, I figured that would be more entertaining for you than just me being like, I swim. <laughs> Sometimes I do this thing where I get in a pool and I bitch a lot. I, I, I swim so I can hear Daniela's stories, you know, I have to... <laughs> I'm realizing as she's stories. talking, I'm like, that's that's what I'm really missing. I don't get to go to any events where I get to hear crazy stories from other swimmers. Yeah. I What's your say, um, favorite place to swim, Daniela? Um, Lake Willoughby. I haven't really done like a bunch of like super exotic swim locations, and I realized like years after I swim in a location, I actually am like craving that location that I stand once in. Like, I continuously daydream like when I would swim and I'm thinking about going to Walden next week when the weather is slightly better and it's not raining literally all day every day um I sometimes in Walden because it's just like swimming around a toilet bowl like you're in a washer and it's just like circling you around like if you need to do 10 laps of Walden it sucks so all you can think of is like I want to see something other than a goddamn fish and a tree like anything well, else turtles in Walden they're not this early <laughs> But let's be fair like there's nothing in Walden this early because we're dumbasses and it's like all you see are just coatings of brown decaying leaves on the yeah. bottom of where will be like fish nests and other decaying things but yeah it, like in August absolutely there are turtles and I have brown turtles in Walden and they're like, hi, little friend. Like, I'm not going to give you kisses because you can have salmonella, but I'm going to take you back. But like, hi, friend. And then they like swim away. And I'm like, turtles. Um, but anyway, when I'm swimming in Walden, sometimes I like fantasize about seeing the cactuses out in Sagara National Forest and being like, they're cheering for me. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so I love Lake Willoughby because A, I can be naked and B, I think it's the most beautiful spot on earth. Um, there's Jacob, my kayaker, walking around in a towel. Good morning. <laughs> um, welcome to my life in social isolation. Um, but actually, he's always like that. He's like, <laughs> if he's not naked, he's in a towel. So like actually totally normal all times of my life. Um, so... I think he's a little, trying to be a little more modest now. I don't know if he pulled his <laughs> towel higher. Um, but 
anyway, yeah, there's some days where I'm like, oh, like, how cool would it be if I was like, literally somewhere else right now? And usually that place is either Lake Willoughby or for some reason, all the crap we swim through at SCAR, even though I oh. hated SCAR, and it was awful. Um, what's your favorite event that you've participated in, Daniela? Willoughby had an impression, not because I, I've never actually swam a formal event in Willoughby. Like, I've never done the five-miler. I kayaked for the five-miler. I've done the one, I've kayaked for all the Willoughby events, but I've never done an actual race in Willoughby. I just get in naked and swim around, and it's like my happy place. I tried to do a crossing of Willoughby, and I almost lost my kayaker in my kayak, and he lost his glasses, and I had to break into my own car. Um, and it was not Jacob. That was not not that kayaker. I had <laughs> a kayaker who should not have ever been in the water, and he wasn't wearing his life jacket. Like, there are so many things I learned that day because we almost died um, on a five-mile crossing across Willoughby. Story, if you want it later, whatever you want, um, but not, not my favorite, but, like, Will be Samara Naked, probably my favorite like thing, but I would say like organized formal race or event. Enwit has a lot of memories for me and I felt like it was very, very well organized and the water was warm, which I like. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, Enwet. I have funny memories of Enwet too. Um, and you already kind of went over the why. Um, and this this question I it's kind of loaded, but are you a process or an outcome person? I used to be a process person when I was training for all of my stuff pre-SCAR. So like SCAR broke me in 2017 and I turned into an outcome person. But before that, I was very into how many miles am I putting in to train for the thing. So like people like to say like when you swim a mile, you swim a ton of miles before you swim a mile for a race, right? Like you swim hundreds of miles before your one mile event. So I felt that way, um, but then I DNF'd at SCAR, and I, like, couldn't deal, and it was really bad. Jake could probably tell you about how it, like, it legit broke me, and after that, that was the same year that I was registered for NWET, and so when I went to NWET, like, yes, I remember some of the miles in NWET, but I essentially remember, like, I swam 26 miles, I yelled, we called my parents from the water, they told me to keep going, and I swam 10 more, and then I finished and fell asleep and a plate of food. Um, so like, at that point, I remember the outcome, because I had an outcome I didn't want at SCAR, mm. um, and now I have this really weird, and I think Chris Grave and I talked about it at 1.2, like, there are a lot of very experienced, much more than me, experienced open water summers that have, you know, a lot more miles and races and years under their belts, but I feel like I've fallen into it too. Um, after 2017, like I kind of went with the, I put in a ton, like I swam 500 miles before April, the year that I was training for SCAR. Like I was pulling three, four, five hour swim practices every single day. Wow. I had a swim coach giving me sets. I went from a base interval of like the 130 to a 115 for at least a 12,000, 13,000 K practice. Like I dropped, I became the fastest I've ever become in my life. And since, and then I went to SCAR, DNF. And then after that, I was like, well, if I made it through training for SCAR and DNF, then it doesn't matter how hard I train. So I have definitely done some events where I swam like three miles total before going and swimming like a 15 miler. And I'm like, whatever, I've done this before. I know how bad it feels. There's no point training for it. Like, <laughs> I just want the outcome. It's bad, right? That's how people get injured. That's how, like, I should not be. But I still kind of have that. Like, right now, if I need to go swim, like, 
a 15 mile race? I probably could. I haven't swam more than like a 10K in the last two years. I could probably go out there and swim like a 10 to 15 mile event. It would not be pretty. It would not be fast, but I would do it. Right. It's probably not the best way to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. I hear you on a lot of fronts, but I, I guess I've, yeah, I guess I've kind of put a method to my madness so I'm in, in the process, for, <laughs> but I still consider myself an outcome person as well. <laughs> That's, uh, but yeah, I don't think it is a good way to be. I think it, and it, you can get injured and things like that. Plus you kind of, if you, I don't, it depends how much you depend on the outcome, but um, we could get to that, into that another time. Um, how do you handle hard situations? like being in isolation <laughs> i'm usually pretty mean to my kayaker <laughs> like in the water or outside the water yeah what you tell me either way <laughs> um so i actually i after being a kayaker i recognize i can't be mean to my kayaker anymore and i try to like really scale that back on like the will swim while crabby piece of it um so I think more so, and I, I recognize I did this for a project at work in like 2018, where I had to essentially like work and live in Kentucky for three months doing manual labor for like 10 to 14 hours a day. Um, yeah, it was, it was a weird time in my life. Um, and I, I worked for a company that I should not have been working for um, for that long. Like, um, but I remember telling someone there like, why are you like, you should just quit. Like, and that was my coworker. He was like, the thing that they're putting you through right now, like, you should just quit. And I was like, I know, but I'm so good at suffering. Like, I'm literally like, I should put that on my resume. I'm very good at just suffering. And I was like, why am I so good at suffering? Like, why can't I just simply, like, other people are like, this sucks. Like, I'm done. And I'm like, no, now I have to finish. Like, because someone told me to do this shitty thing. I, for some reason, now have this competitive spirit that, like, I have to keep going and do it without complaint and, like, just do it. Um, so I don't really know what's wrong with me there, but I feel like I am like especially good at suffering, um, and repetitive motion suffering, which I feel like is what swimming, open water swimming is. Like I was packing boxes all day, every day. Um, people are like, you will literally like, you will suffer until you break. And I was like, yeah, I'm good at that. Um, I will move my arms until my shoulder like formally tears. I will, um, I will, I will tape boxes closed until my lower back can't stand up anymore like I don't know why um but I seem to just be able to like put my mind to it and say like I have to suffer through this like it is not an if I get done it is when I get done and I I can do this like I'm good at suffering therefore I must hmm. do you like turn it into a little game or like do you any way that no, you kind of I just stop thinking just keep going it literally like static <laughs> I just don't I don't, like, I, I try not to be like, this sucks so much, except for when I'm running. If I'm running, the every second, every step and every second of it is like, I hate this, this sucks, I am miserable, not a runner. But everything else, like, box, tape a box, close tape a box, do that for 10 consecutive hours. Um, and the whole time I'm just like, Shh. like, that's literally what's going through my head. And if I like start to complain or like, oh, I'm thirsty, or I'm hungry, like, Nope, actually, I'm not going to die. Like, I, my arms are going to fall off. My back is probably not going to, like, have permanent damage. I can keep going for a little while longer. It's weird. And then I end up having injuries. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you feel, Daniela, like like having, like, I'm trying to, to think of how to, to frame this. But, like, as you were saying all that, I was like, oh, my God, that that is so me in so many ways. I was the person who, in college, if somebody said, oh, this is an easy A course, I'd get a B in that class. 
But anything yep. that people were like, this professor never gives out A's. Like yep. those are the classes that I yeah, and I like I start the curve yeah, and and I'm yeah, I definitely got an A, and 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 I'm thinking like swimming like there's something about that that it gives me a focus like if it's gonna be the suffering and the heart or whatever it's like well this is this is the focus and something about that focus just puts me into the here and now like I'm not thinking about the end a whole lot it's just okay well 10 more minutes of this or 30 more minutes of this or whatever you know can I do that and I feel like I sort of naturally go there like once I started doing the long swimming once I you know I went through labor with with my kids and and like you know the doula's like okay well now I'm just gonna you know she's like talking to me before labor she's like I'm just gonna ask you to get to the next point and I'm like oh yeah I know how to do that that's what I do with every big project in my life I break it up into a lot of little things and I say okay well you can get to the next point and then when you get there, you go, oh, well, the next one's just a little bit further off. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But, but, it, but it, 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 it gives me a sense of focus or a sense of purpose that when I don't have something like that going on in my life, I really struggle, which is me right now. Oh, I feel so unanchored. Okay, yep. so that was my next question. It's like, how can you, can you like that ability to deal with adversity, can you apply that in social isolation? Oh yeah, so um, I somehow went from doing, I don't know if any of you saw this, but I posted on my Facebook and I've been asking for donations, but I volunteered as a driver to drop off hot meals for a oh, nonprofit here. Yeah, so donate, it's really good. I'm still dealing with that. So I emailed the guy because like my job is literally um, like process improvement and I work for a robotics company where I create sound processes to sell products and um we sell robots so i like have to have my shit down and like in a very like this is how this thing is going to like how these robots are going to work in your in your warehouse and this is why you should buy them but i have to like figure all that out virtually before there's even a robot on the ground and so i design i'm a solutions designer so i design the whole process so i was the idiot who called the route manager after my driving route and i was like hey here's some things that i would improve like these are like i cut 17 minutes off my route because i did xyz and he was like why don't we have a call tomorrow morning where you can explain this and i can tell you what we're doing so i was like yeah sure i'll help like if i can do like some minor things to help on the back end like while i'm working like everything i can do with my computer is like a lot easier for me than like not having my work calls during the middle because i have to work um, but like anything I can do like remotely to help you guys absolutely so like the next Tuesday morning he gave me a half hour like spiel about what he was doing he was like all right you got it all cool I quit and I'm like um, what? <laughs> um so and he was like by the way we have 12 drivers coming between 12 and 3 and it's 10 a.m now and we need routes for all of them so figure this shit out because they're gonna be waiting we can't have people waiting there because we're, we're gonna we're gonna have hot meals that are getting cold and hungry people because they have no other meals today. And I'm like, well, fuck, okay. So then I like drop everything and figure this out. But like the whole day, it was so bad. Like there were drivers coming up and I'd be like, all right, in two minutes, I can figure out your 17 stop route. And here's how many people need how many meals. On. And this is the right order to go in because if you go in a different order, you're gonna hit one way streets that are gonna increase your drive time by like 24 minutes. Like, so I figured all that out and I was like, no one else would do this like i'm volunteering to do this i am working the volunteer job and i'm working my i'm half-assed working my like regular job 
I'm having work calls and I'm trying to like literally answer questions on a work call while scheduling driver routes and then coordinating volunteer. Like, oh, a driver didn't show up. I'm like, oh, we got to find another one. Can't have those meals not go. <laughs> like, so I like solve, I figured this out, solved all these issues yesterday. No, the day before yesterday, Tuesday. I don't know what fucking day it is. Welcome to like every day is Wednesday um, or Monday. I don't know. And so I had this like great time um, trying to figure all this out. So then I stayed up till like two in the morning, Tuesday morning, and created like spreadsheets, reportables. Um, I created like an, a software that can like send emails for me. Like I did all this stuff. And yesterday we got the routes done. There were like no hiccups. Today I already have the routes sent out to drivers and they, they start arriving at noon. They already have their routes. Like everything's done. Literally everything's done for today. And I was like, I can do this. Like if I can swim a marathon, like, I can figure out 30 people and their routes across Boston. <laughs> and I did, but it was like, no one else would have done it. Like it was so, it was miserable on Tuesday. Like I had people yelling at me. I had drivers complaining that they got to a stop and the person didn't answer the door. And I'm like handling all this stuff. And I'm like, it's just a process. Like it's the next thing. Like if I handle, like if I get through today, tomorrow's going to be so much easier. So you are a process person, a process efficiency person. Yeah, well, no, but um, it, so it sounds like you're saying that like, you, in order to kind of help you battle the isolation, you're just taking on more work so you can suffer. I feel like meaningful suffering is important. Like I suffer for work, but like I'm bored during it. And it's like, yeah. eh, no one's buying our shit right now anyway. But like these people need meals. Like they are hungry. They call me and they're like, when's my food getting here? My kids are so hungry. And I'm like, well, I'll get in my car and I need to go grocery shopping. I'll bring you groceries right now. And like that to me is way better to do than like trying to sell a robot that no one's going to buy for the next three months because we can't <laughs> go on the site to actually like give them the robots. Like, yeah. And my boss is like, if you have to work on this for a couple hours, I didn't tell him I legitimately dedicated like 14 hours to it on, <laughs> on Tuesday. He doesn't know that. Don't tell him that. <laughs> hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening.